Sponsor, thank you. Um, so if you use a discount code BGJ Asia, you'll get 10% off at fightaesthetic.asia, and that's including all products except from the legacy gi. So a quick shout out to Fight Aesthetic and um, more aesthetic Southeast Asia for hooking us up. So uh, this is technically episode number five, but officially it's episode number four. And um, the first episode ever done was with Jack Brown, but today I've got uh, two special guests all the way in from Nepal. I got Dewey's, one of my teammates. Awesome. Um, he just had a successful event in, in uh, Nepal, and he's the guy that organized Nepal Warrior Championships, which is like a new N MMA organization. So he's basically the pioneer of MMA in, uh, in Nepal, basically. And he runs Lock and Roll MMA slash Jiu Jitsu. Um, I might as well just let them run with it, basically. So, uh, Dewey's uh, great to have you here. Great to have Rabindra here as well. So, uh, Let's say uh, let's start with them. Um, how how you start with jujitsu, stuff like that. Well, first things first, man. Thank you so much, man. Two of you for having us, giving us this platform to speak our stuff, you know. And uh, yeah, it feels kind of surreal. We got like a solid setup here, dude. I feel like I made it, kind of stuff. Like, um, sorry, what was the question, man? Yeah, yeah. So, um, how did you start in jujitsu, man? Um. I was in college, bro. Like it's a long, kind of a long story. If you don't mind me. No, no, go for it. Um, it was uh, like seven, eight years ago. I was in Bangalore, India. I was doing my college there, and uh, I used to play semi-professionally. I used to play football in Indian university level and stuff. But over over a couple of months, I started getting injured, and I started having f like fights with my teammates and my coaches because like our heads didn't match I used to give like 100% every practice every game but these guys you know they don't care much so I started having rift with them then I thought like team sport is not my thing then I just saw a random notice for an amateur kickboxing fight night bro I signed up with no training no training no training dude <laughs> I was like, this is how I want to make my statement. I'll just jump in. And uh, I w went to that uh, amateur kickboxing match. First fight, I, I somehow, I, I don't know how, dude, I can't even watch that video now, dude. I started like, like a drunk guy, dude. Flying knees and all that kind of stuff. Then second match, I thought that was over, bro. Yeah. Then the coach is like, you got a next match coming. Jesus. I'm like, shit. Uh, then that guy, he broke my hand, bro. He kicked. Like it was a wusu guy. Yeah. And the fight, I clinched. We fell on the ground, but he did an armbar kind of thing on the ground. Yeah. Which I had no, I'd, I couldn't expect. Yeah. Popped my elbow right there, dude. And then they, they took me to the hospital. And so one gentleman, one American guy, Rama, he visited me in the hospital and he said, like, I see something in you. You should learn jujitsu. That's where you want to go. And... I knew what jujitsu was. It was just, I was like 20, 21. I had no idea what jujitsu was. And I, I jumped in to his offer. I used to travel almost like two hours every day, one way, two hours back to just roll with this brown belt uh, American from Seattle. Shout out to Rama Reddy, man. He introduced me to jujitsu and I learned for a year the basics of just shrimping, bridging, sprawling, all this kind of stuff. It was mainly nogi. Yeah. And then I finished my college there. 
uh, within the year, and I was working for him a little bit as a kickboxing coach. Because mm-hmm. like, over the year, I learned my kickboxing game also went like from yeah. zero to super. Because I found myself I was athletic enough to pick up techniques and apply them. And I got like balls deep into like martial arts then. And then I decided I got to do my master's to uh, like studies, you know. And then I looked up Thailand. I got to go learn some Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu and MMA. And uh, according to my budget, like Thailand was the most suitable one. And then I looked up Google and the first thing that came up was Arade, dude. Shout out to Arade. Shout out to Arade. Then I went, then I like shortlisted a couple of gyms. Three, four gyms. I scouted each one. As the first thing I did, I landed in Thailand was go to BJ gyms. I didn't even care about where I was staying, how I stayed, which college I was yeah. staying. <laughs> like, fuck that. <laughs> visited all the gyms. So how long did you spend at each gym or did you just try it like a just trial Just one class? day, bro. Yeah. One day each. And But the first day I came to Arade, I saw the Arade ad, uh, buy a house one. Yeah. Right? Then I called PK. I saw the number, English number was PK. I called him. I said, hey, I got to join you guys. And I remember PK saying, come to this, this, this. And the first class I fell in love with Arade. Yeah. I felt like I fit right in. Don't need to look for any place else. Just narrow down. And all shout out to Arade and all the coaches and the teammates in Arade, bro. Like what I'm trying to do back home in Nepal with the team, with this guy, with the culture there, you know, it's a very small pocket of in the world. But if it was not for Arade and all the coaches out of Arade and the teammates I learned, bro, I would not be able possible to do it. So all, all props to Arade and the journey we've had together so far. So uh, what was the process of like uh, establishing lock and roll like? Uh, bro, like my visa as a student, it finished right one month before the pandemic shut the whole world down. So it was like February 2020. 2020 yeah, 2020, yeah, exactly. yeah. So I went back. As soon as I went back, I thought I was going to come back, you know. I'm yeah. going to extend my visa, going to come back here and keep training, you know. And But I had the chance to fight a Muay Thai fight in Nepal. I, I just took it and... Somehow I managed to win it, like, and then I, and people started liking, like, how I was able to converse myself to the Nepalese mm-hmm. youth, you know? So when the pandemic hit, this gym, Tony, his name is Tony, he told me, like, you can have the key. Don't let the cops outside see that the building is open. Like, we have a gym at the roof, right? So no one really finds out. So I said, like, okay, my brother, he's a bluebell too right now just 20 year old him and i used to just start rolling every day start with carpets on concrete bro <laughs> like legit tibetan <laughs> carpets bro, like this something like this yeah like crazy and then somehow we managed to get mass and yeah there's no looking back after that then one plus two two plus then somehow this guy found us he came and the quality of training also started improving and each session like one more added one more added now we are like 40 50 people yeah. You've gotten like a new location as yes, well, sir. right? Like we have two locations right now. Yeah. So one is like in the rooftop. The second one is more not just jujitsu, second one is more MMA based, bro. Yeah, yeah. So the one at uh pump is like more jujitsu based and then grappling based. The other the other, the other bigger ones, location yes, is like sir. MMA oh it's everything MMA, basically. Yeah, yep. MMA yeah. based. Man. So that's like because of the pandemic you end up getting forced into kind of establishing something else in Nepal. Yes, sir. Like um people complain about pandemic. Like yeah. messing their life but rhythm up pretty damn life changing for you so like yeah. I have no complaint I, I wish another pandemic comes along bro. So like, 
Not going good, but I don't, I'm ready, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. So then, um, so you're establishing this kind of like lock and roll MMA jiu-jitsu team. And then, uh, so tell me how uh, Ramindra fits into this. Um, so lock and roll, I had no I had no clue where we were, what direction we were heading into. It was just me and my brother, like I said, we were like, okay, let's just call it. Because I had the name lock and roll when I was living in Thailand itself. Yeah. I had a page set up. I had no location, no team. Yeah, but you had the name. I had the name Lock and Roll down. Like, okay, one day I might have a gym and you know what I'm going to call it? Lock and fucking roll, you know? Like, I don't care about what anybody says. And uh, then as soon as no mats, no gym, but we're still <laughs> Lock and Roll. Like, and um, then we, and somehow after maybe almost six months, me and my brother and other guys were messing around every day. This guy just shows up one day. And you know, when a guy just shows up, we started rolling. Yep. And this guy was like, good wrestling base. Mm -hmm. like, a little dicey on his jujitsu, but his wrestling base was like solid. Like, then I started looking him up. He didn't say much. He didn't say he was a fighter already. Like he was an amateur career. He was already a professional MMA fighter in India. Right. His story is like crazy, bro. I don't want to like, I let him say his piece. Right. Like, so I started looking him up, his background, where he comes from, his family and everything. And I was like, what? I didn't know there was a professional MMA fighter in out of Nepalese origin, like mm -hmm. doing his stuff. And then we rolled and maybe as a coach also, I gained his respect a little bit. And uh, then he told me one day that uh, he wanted to link with me and work as a team. And I was more than happy to you know, be hungry as a, because I was an amateur coach too. He's a professional fighter. Yeah. I'm an amateur coach, right? Mm -hmm. I need to step off my game. I saw his videos and everything, all the fights he's had. I was like, this guy is like crazy. Like, okay, I need to step up. And yeah, we started working together. First things first, we need to trust each other. Yeah. So that only comes on the mats. So we started doing techniques, started talking every day. And like, it just added and more people, more amateur, more young guys who are like, under even like 16, 17, 18, 19, young guys started following his path and getting into more into amateur MMA. And yet now he's the flag bearer of, definitely the flag bearer of Nepalese MMA mm -hmm. around the world. And there are some Nepalese MMA fighters, but they train out of UK or like Bali or Bahrain, UAE, you know, but they really don't train out of M Nepal. They have moved out of Nepal to better gyms. Yeah. But this guy, he's like, he wants to come out of Nepal. So. Wants to be homegrown. Yeah, homegrown. And the people like like that too. You know, like homegrown fighter rather than somebody from abroad. So that's how he stands right now. He's getting, people are understanding his name, what he does. There's like story being built on him, proper support. There's a documentary on him coming out. So. Oh, nice. So yeah, the Thailand, his training, in Thailand this month is going to be featured in the documentary too. Also Arate and stuff. So hopefully people, you know. All right. So um, how do you want to tell him story? He, he can speak it, he can speak it in the mic and then he can you can translate for him. Because he wants us. Sorry, my ring is saying. Two lines, two lines. It's okay, he'll yeah. say a few lines. I'll translate a few lines. Yeah, yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah. Uh, first, my mother, 15, 16 years ago, and I was working in India. And I was working in the gym, MMA, like karate, MMA. And I was doing 
So when he was like 15, 16, after he finished his 10th grade, he comes from a very rural place, bro. No, no jobs, nothing. You have to go to India, the yeah. neighboring country to right. work. Right. So he left his home and he went to India looking to train. And that gym, guys, I get what training gone. Thale and training got the got the. Pile it's karate got it. That's three four month was it? I was. अब त्यहाँको कोचले चाहिँ मलाई चाहिँ अब एमएमए गर भनेर अनि म चाहिँ एमएमए ट्रेनिङ गर्न थाले अनि फाइटहरु चाहिँ त्यहाँबाट सुरु भयो सो लाइक व्हेन ही वन इनिशियली ही हैड नो क्लू ही वाज गोना बी अ फाइटर नो क्लू ही जस्ट न्यू दैट ही वांटेड टू बी फेमस या आई स्वियर दैट्स व्हाट ही सेड लाइक ही हैड नो क्लू ही वांटेड टू बी अ फाइटर बट समथिंग डीप इनसाइड हिम वाज लाइक माय लाइफ इज नॉट फॉर लाइक जस्ट ब्रेकिंग स्टोन्स एंड लिफ्टिंग टेलीफोन पोल्स एंड स्टफ ही वाज डूइंग द मैनुअल labor work so as he started when he was 11 right yeah. so then someday he entered a karate gym mm-hmm. like he had no clue what mma is bro yeah so he jumped into a karate gym then that's how he got introduced to ani and then fighter boy ani fighter khelde gayo amateur fighter ani he got a lot of amateur fights straight away his coach saw the potential in him got into amateur in india indian national amateur ma amateur participate garda tesma gold yeah as a nepalese citizen he fought in india's national level mma mm-hmm. amateur like, yeah. amateur and he came up first and he was selected in the world world level too but since his passport was Nepalese, he could not go represent India. Right. Okay. And and in Nepal, like at that time, there was no MMA. Yeah. So he was in stuck in the middle. Like, yeah. Yeah. As an amateur, you've won, but mm-hmm. you cannot represent India, or else he'll have to give up his Nepalese passport, which he did not want to do. No. So uh, then I started a uh, professional MMA. Ani pro, two three da pro khelio. Ani tha pa chhe India mathe store ramro dehe na. Ani chhe back to Nepal. So after almost like 15 amateur fights, he didn't see any uh, prospect in fighting more amateur, even though he wanted to. Then he said, "Like screw it, let's just go pro." Then he jumped into professional fights directly, and after fighting at least three, four times professional MMA in India, uh, he felt he didn't have the proper support system there in India mm. as training and like people out there are a little like communalist, you know, communal like. just think about indian people yeah yeah so he was like okay screw it i'll go back to nepal and probably hit go to uae or some place to work yeah and train. and then train at the same yeah. time that's where he came back to nepal okay and then you guys moved up yeah. yeah damn yeah yeah wow so yeah he had, when i met him he already had a four professional fights three. Three, three three and after we met he has another three professional fights yeah. so And those three fights have been in Nepal. No, bro. All in India and stuff. He's fought in front of almost twenty-five thousand people at one event. The Indian right. MMA scene is coming up pretty good right now, yeah. bro. Since there's like few fighter, there's one fighter in one uh, UFC right now. He's they're breaking doors. They have good jujitsu, good wrestling. It's just Indian fighter striking is a little backward. Grappling uh, right. is good, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, I've seen them wrestle. I've seen them jujitsu. They're like nerds like us, bro. Like they can only talk jujitsu and stuff, but their striking is a little bit back backwards in Indian MMA. Yeah. Why is that? Do you think? And I feel they don't like getting hit in the face, bro. There's a different. 
They don't really hit. But they, they do like... karate and stuff like that. Oh, but, but karate, you don't hit the face, no, right? No. Right, okay. Right. Uh, they only, you only kick the face, like, you <laughs> punch the face. So, um, yeah, Indian people, no, no offense, they don't... Like, when you hit a good wrestler, punch a good wrestler in the face, they forget their wrestling, like, the Indian, like, the ones I've seen, at least. Yeah. But last five years, there's a few good ones coming around from Nagaland, mm -hmm. from all these, like... I don't want to use this word, but like like ours, like us, a little chinky looking Indians. Yeah. So Indians are also in, India is a big country, bro. Mm -hmm. Some mainland Indian people, like the the traditional you imagine an Indian person, those are f from the mainland. But the Indians that come from the Myanmar side border, like yeah. Nagaland, Manipur, Mizoram, those who look like Nepalese and Burmese people, right? Yeah. They look the same. Those guys are like good, bro. Like. Uh, I really have much respect for those guys. And you see them next five years, all the Indian fighters will come out from that region, bro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are good. Yeah. Whereas the mainland Indian guys are strictly a little grappling based. Not like still, I don't feel they can. Yeah, jujitsu is actually quite popular in India. Yes, um, yeah, I've got, a f um, there's, a, there's a gym called Rain and um, those guys come in for the ADCC occasion with the teams and they do pretty well. Um, there's another one called like Institute of Jiu-Jitsu. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I think the best. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu in India is from uh, Institute I IJJ. Yeah, I saw a few of those guys competing at the first ADCC down in Phuket, yeah. Yep, yep. And then the rain guys as well. And then they're just starting out like a national team as well for Jiu-Jitsu yep. as well. Pretty crazy. I know most of the Indian Jiu-Jitsu scene guys, we are acquaintances mm -hmm. and uh, they're good, bro. Like, um, like to be good in Jiu-Jitsu, you have to be kind of a nerd, bro. Like, you have to... Yeah, it's cerebral you know sport, it is, bro, yeah. Like, those guys are not afraid of the hard work to put in their mind, like cerebral process behind jujitsu. And I've seen how they're, uh, they think and as a team they perform. Uh, I learn a lot from those guys. So yeah, IJJ, there's one in uh, Delhi that's called Cross Train. I heard of the Cross yeah, Train. Yeah. Yep, Sid, he's, the, he's a brown belt too. And then there's another one, Rebel MMA. Yeah, around these, there are a few handful, but good ones, bro. So then how did um, NWC or um, Nepal Warrior Championships come about? Uh, desperation, bro. Desperation? <laughs> yeah. Because you're trying to get Nep Nepalese uh, yes, sir. Like, guys to fight, yes, basically. Yes. Because uh, right. our team grew all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, over one year, I started having like good prospects, at least 10 different amateur, besides him, mm -hmm. 10 different amateur fighters who are like hungry, average age, like 20. Perfect 20. So good time for... Then I started asking for amateur competitions in India and stuff, and nobody started replying us like properly, you know? So I was like, okay, I gotta take hands into my own matter and like spread out my resources and networking over building a brand of uh, Nepalese Warrior Championship, uh, NWC. And then I was like, Nepal has never had a professional MMA fight ever in its history. Yeah. So Nepal is only known for it's boxing, karate, taekwondo, judo. Mm -hmm. So these four, we have competed in Asian level, Olympic level too, in judo and stuff, but no MMA or no wrestling, no jujitsu, nothing. So the Nepalese crowd is still uneducated about what MMA really is. And I take it upon myself as my life goal to make them understand that the world has evolved to MMA, right? There is no boxing only and it's dying. Like we got to accept that. And the sooner we accept it, the better it is for our fighters and our pride of our country too. 
So I, I started, I got together with this, uh, my partner, Mahendra. He is, uh, he's an MMA nerd to like us. So we got together and built a team and started building a card around this guy as the main event. And he also, he's only fought in India. He's never fought in Nepal, in his home country. So it's a different pressure for him. Like his home country, he's always fought as the away side, but yeah. never as the home side. So we had this documentary going on too. We went to his home. So we climaxed it, trying to make it like that main event, bring it to the fight. So I was working with Nepal's most uh, single-handedly Nepal's biggest YouTuber, Sisan Banya. Like he jumped on board, found our story. He's like, I'll help you guys propel through his platform, get sponsorships, make the documentary. You know, so big shout out to him as well for helping us. And um, he helped us. Then the momentum just hit like that. Then I had to sit down, build a team. Like, you know, I have a friend like Taka right here, you know, who does everything behind the scene. Like, and I just got to sit there and chat away, you know, express my views and the direction we should be taking. Whereas my team, Sanjay, he takes care of everything else. Then we had to go build a commission from scratch. Like an athletic commission yeah. for MMA, MMA, right? Damn, yeah. I, I didn't want to be part of that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to have anybody say like, oh, that fucker is a biased guy. Like, yeah. So I, I independently, I told a few people, okay, you guys, please build a commission. I'll stay furthest away from it. Build referees. I invited a few Indian referees to give seminars, this and that. And a lot of, dude, like running after sponsorships was like the hardest thing I've ever have to do in my life, bro. Like... I felt like I was begging everywhere, man. Trying, yeah. You know, but I love the process. Yeah. I'm not complaining, but good learning experience. It's as a well. great learning. I was trying to do everything hands on, like this, that, t shirts, the, the cage. Thankfully, my uh, partner, he has a vision of the production side at least, like getting the cage, getting the cameras, getting the like journalists, getting everything. You think about lights, sound, the fog machine, like everything, bro. Like my partner and he did it while I could just uh, focus on matchmaking, inviting proper Indian fighters. I wanted it to make like an India versus Nepal, like seven fights, first ever professional MMA card. Let's make it like inter-country, dude. Like, let's get all that storyline going, like how we don't like Indians much. You know what I'm saying? The Nepalese yeah. people don't like Indians. Oh. <laughs> I hate to say it, but like, that's how it is. Because yeah. like India always trying to big brother us types. Yeah. Like politically. So that's a good uh, narrative Story, to run yeah. with, right? So we were trying to do that and it worked to some extent. So gathered a lot of interest. But unfortunately, the first event, it was no tickets, bro. It was like an intimate, like that UFC Apex types, just invites only. Mm -hmm. So I strategically invited potential sponsors for the next event. Just wanted to see them what a real MMA is. Current sponsors some like local celebrity kind of stuff who's gonna help us like you know network like market the uh, noise a little bit and uh the medical team this the media team the journalists all the stuff very intimate scene there was like hun maximum 150 people there was like beers flowing here and there so it was like a not too crazy bro nebulese people if you give them too much liberty they'll start fighting in the crowd man hmm. I can't, I can't take that risk, man. First fight, they're like, yeah. I don't want the NWC uh, and, and Nepal Warrior Championship 
a brand first impression being like, oh, these guys are a bunch of hooligans, like trying to mess it up first. So rather keep it very controlled. And it was kind of a success. Rabindra fought first. Yeah, he, he won that guy. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was a success. Now we're looking forward to the second one too. Yeah. yeah I hope to, my, my next goal is to bring some Thai fighter back to Nepal, bro. We have a, we have a kickboxer. Yeah. Who, bro, he's Nepal's best kickboxer. And I need some help with you from you too, bro. Okay. I want to make this guy, bring him to like MMA. Mm -hmm. He's a Kyokushin fighter, bro. He's from right. all over Japan. Like he's really good kickboxer, right? But his ground game is a little sus for now. We're working on it. I want him to fight like a Thai fighter, kickboxer types in the MMA rule set. Right. Like a little gentleman's agreement, like let's stand and bang guys. Yeah. So I'm, I'm silently in a hunt for one too. You want to kind of put that in the next NWC yes, card sir, basically. the main event. Right. So like right. MMA rule set, but mm -hmm. let these guys mm -hmm. stand and bang. Like. So with MMA gloves on, <laughs> that'd be pretty cool. That'd yeah. Awesome. That's where I, I, I hope to have you there yeah. too, bro, as a guest. Yeah. So, my question is, why do you have so much faith in him? Uh, I saw a clip and you're like, I don't know. I just, I don't think anybody can beat him. Uh, I, I didn't mean to say anyone can beat him. Yeah. I, just, I meant to say we cannot lose. Bro. Yeah. You did say that. So that was my mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he'll lose someday. I'm no. not sure. Like, but it's just, I've seen this. He has a grit in him. Mm -hmm. Like just to bring prospect right now. He understands English. Right? It's just mm -hmm. like, he cannot speak back. Like, yeah. Um, uh, I've gone to his home, bro, where he comes from. Like people speak a lot about like this, the mountains of this and that, bro. He literally comes from a place where there's nothing, no electricity. It's to go. He's, he's a sheep herd, herd a shepherd when he was a kid. And just the manual labor he came up doing, no one has the conditioning, bro. More than that, his mind is bulletproof, bro. Like. Like this is all winning. Even if he does not fight from day like today forward, he's already won in life. Cause yeah. from where he's come to where he's right now, to even being able to come in Arate and get a session in, he already feels like I already feel like like he's flip sided his life already. Yeah. But he's hungry. He wants more. He's super disciplined, bro. First guy in the gym, last guy out. You know, he, he can teach also really well. He's not just, he can really teach. I've seen him teach like private training, like kids, boxing, kickboxing stuff. And he's, he can really teach. He's all about this life and something I could never be. And I've seen him where he comes from and, and his parents, how much they've sacrificed, how much he has sacrificed. Uh, he has like two sisters. He looks after them, pays for their schooling and stuff. And the amount of pressure he lives every day. Like a 15 minutes in a cage is nothing, I feel. And that's the life he's chosen now to go down that path to show like uh, what he's made up of. And the fit is uh, very naturally, it's not fake that the fit I've put him as a coach and yeah. stuff. And I know someday there'll come a day where the expertise that I have will be limited and he'll need to move on to like bigger gyms, bigger coaches for camps at least. So that's why we are here now in yeah. Thailand to get uh, like, yeah, exactly. I, I wanted him to meet you guys so you guys could see and point us to the right direction of training MMA in this beautiful country and culture of Thailand, bro. I love fucking Thailand, bro. I don't know what to say, man. Like, yeah, we're just trying to give him that Thai bug right here. 
So this first trip around, you guys are going to be here for roughly like a month, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Is this our third day here? And the next plan is probably head down to uh, head down to Fairtex and check yes, that out, sir. right? Yes, sir. And just measure up how you guys yes, are. Sir. Swim with the sharks, like out there, the professional fighters, and if you get a chance, like proper coaching too. Me, myself, I need to learn a lot as a MMA coach, like mm -hmm. what's needed so I can go back and teach the amateurs the same, like... So like you're here for a study trip instead of like being like studying as a fighter, you're studying as a coach. So you can bring that kind of knowledge back to that has been the biggest uh, transition, bro. Like I, I feel like you can empathize a with hundred percent. I can, well. yeah. Like, uh, there's come a point like now I'm 28. Like I'll be turning turn 28 this October. So I feel like me as trying to be a, like a young, supposedly like a young coach, hands-on coach, I can have a bigger impact as a coach on the overall growing culture in Nepal rather than, because if I am to be a fighter, I grew up, I, I thought I'll be a fighter. I'll just compete. Yeah. I'm not gonna care about anybody else. Just me, 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 me. I'm just gonna think about me. But over the pandemic, that completely changed. Yeah. So it, I started getting a little more selfless. Started thinking, then suddenly I realized it's not about me anymore. But that time has passed now. I think, though, generally, if you transition to the coach, that means probably at this current junction of Nepalese MMA, probably it's going to be more rewarding being what you're doing or yes. you transitioning to a coach. And I think overall you're going to affect the, the overall landscape than being an actual fighter, right? Yeah. That's what I, that's what I felt. So yeah. I have to, because if I half-ass one or two, I feel mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be like neither here nor there. Yeah. So if I got to be a competitor, I got to be 100% competitor. While if I got to be a coach, I got to use the same energy and the grit in coaching. So, so what's been like the biggest, like in terms of the transitioning from like trying to be a fighter to trying to be a coach, what do you think the most challenging aspect of that has been trying to support the team? Has it been trying to learn how to be, like how to coach better? Has it been how trying to organize classes? Uh, again, going back to Arade, if I wouldn't have come to Arade, I don't think I would have the seed planted in me to be a good coach because all the coaches I've encountered so far, I can go off, take their names, but you all know who they are. Uh, I've picked up a little bit from everybody, you know, from Andrew, from you, from PK, from Achilles to Taco, like everybody I can name. Little bit, little bit, little bit. And I've like added my own flavor. Yeah. Rather than, rather than not just the technique, but even when some new one walks in the door, I'm like, Yo, bro, like, you don't just keep it very light. Nothing serious, bro. Like, I don't start the gym culture by saying this fighters only. Yeah. It's exactly like, already, like, everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. Just come. Then within a month, we can find out whether you are here for fitness, self-defense, mm -hmm. or you want to compete. So these three, I categorize them and treat them accordingly. So that was the first uh, challenge to see who fits where and trying to set a theme and tone to a lock and roll. Yeah. It's very, it's kind of laid back types. It's not nothing serious, but we do focus a lot on discipline. Like discipline is number one. It's trying to instill that discipline, punctuality. Yeah. You know, uh, trying not to injure anybody. Like when someone new comes, everyone's super, There's no like uh, toxic environment at the gym. And you know, just basically it's a, I've learned whatever from you guys. I've tried to copy paste that with my own uh, style a little bit. Yep. The Nepalese attitude a little bit. And beside that, the challenges I would say, 
Yeah, it's uh, but like it was all in dark. It's it's still in darkness, mm. like where we are back yeah. home, like with MMA and stuff. So every day is like a new. We we just walking. We like a blind person just feeling and walking down the alley, and whatever we uh, meet, we dig it on from yeah. there. So in terms of gyms in the, uh, Nepal right now, I mean, you guys are based in Kathmandu, is it? Yes, sir. Yeah. So you guys have lock and rolls. You have well, one jujitsu location, basically. That's um, the pump, right? Yes. Yeah, on the top floor. Yes. And then you have that new MMA facility. Yep. Um, is there like other different gyms? Like, yeah. The, yeah? The, there are uh, over the top of my head, including our... What is the total? MMA gym in Kathmandu. Accounting, like, including ours... <coughs> Four, four gyms. Four MMA gyms. All oh, right, so it's kind of growing there. It right? is kind yeah. of growing. So yeah, uh, in-house competitions, growing. So yeah, be good if you guys get like an in-house competition for gi. I mean for uh, for jujitsu. Yeah, well. we, yeah. We, we had one, bro. Yeah. We oh, had, did you? Yeah. All right. Okay. I, I I tried to do it. Mm-hmm. But I was the referee. I was like, what am I doing here, bro? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was, yeah. it was weird. No, we have a brown belt. Uh, his name is Richard Murns. Shout out to Richard. Right. Uh, he's uh, he's from the UK. He fought at in Cage Warriors and stuff. He's a professional MMA fighter too. Yeah. Uh, he has moved to uh, Kathmandu too, mm-hmm. to, uh, in a way to, let's say, compete with us. So we compete, in, a, in, in all fairness, like we need competition. Yeah. Or else we're just going to be like, uh, like there's no one to compete. We'll be too over, like lackadaisical attitude. Yeah. We need somebody to push us. Like, so... Shout out to these gyms out there in Kathmandu. We, yeah, they help push us, and they are doing their own thing in their part of the city. We are doing our own, our part of the city, and driving each other. Yeah, yep. And you guys are planning on having an, another uh, like fight card in uh, November. November, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, is it going to be another um, India versus? No, no, not this gonna time. Or make it more international this time. Yeah, trying to make it more international or local. Or local. Or local. We want. Uh, there's a different city called Pokhara. Mm-hmm. In Kathmandu in Nepal, which is the most uh, beautiful city. Most tourists come to Nepal to is visit it called Pokhara. Pokhara. Yeah, P O K H A R A. Bro, if you come to you and Saga come to Nepal, bro, I'll take you guys there. I'm I'm kid you not, bro. That's like. What do you think, bro? You think no November? I'm, we can do like a docu series there, man. Bro, there's no yeah. thinking. You just book a flight, Thai smile, you know. I smile, direct flight, thrice a week is right there. I'll be at the yeah. airport right there waiting for you guys. Uh, it'll be an honor to, I've always said that, Mac, like you look like, two of you look like guys who would really enjoy Nepal, man. Yeah. yeah. It takes a certain kind of person to yeah. enjoy Nepal. Uh, yeah, if you like mountains and scenery, you first land in Kathmandu, then it's a six hour drive from there mm-hmm. and through the hills and valleys and rivers. You reach Pokhara, which is the most beautiful city in Nepal. So all the treks, 90% of the treks that the tourists come to Nepal for. Oh, really? Start from there. But not Everest, though. Everest mm-hmm. is the different. Yeah. Thing. But there are other trekking routes and mountains you can see. But Nepal is a very uh, tourist-heavy place for backpackers and um, trekkers, mainly. And, uh, yeah. So if you guys are about that, then... So what do you think, um, apart from the whole MMA scene as well, in terms of how would you like to see the jiu-jitsu scene in Nepal grow? Um, I recently, st- bro, I love the gi, man. Yeah. Like, I, that's <laughs> something I, 
Mm, that's something I have like slowly like, cause I don't have anybody to train gi with back yeah. home. I, I do have, unless I meet Richard once a month, he's a brown belt too, and we roll in gis, but every day we are doing basic wrestling, basic no gi stuff. And I feel, oh man, like I gotta move. I, I need to start gi classes soon. So at least I don't, whatever I know, I can teach yeah. these guys the basics and become super sharp with the basics. So recently we ordered a few geese, like 15 geese from China. I don't know where they came from. <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge trying to source stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And now people are slowly, once a week, twice a week, we do geese stuff. But this guy doesn't do geese. No. So only no geese and stuff. So I would love for geese to grow, but it's, it's going to take some time. Right now we just want to, because I started with no geese too. But later on, once I came to Thailand, I started doing geese. But my basics were all from no geese. I'm trying to give them the same path. Like start with nogi. So once you know basic positions and stuff, then the transitioning to the grips is not a big of a transition, learning the grips and stuff. Whereas if you start with gi, going back to underhooks and overhooks become be difficult. difficult yeah. right? So I feel nogi to gi is a better transition than if you want to be an MMA fighter. Yeah. But yeah. predominantly if you are focusing more on the grips, then you'll be lost. What I feel. So... See, um, I was speaking to them, a couple of guys from India and re regarding getting geese, right? I completely forgot that India and Pakistan don't get along. I, compl I, like, I completely forgot about it. So we're talking about geese and it's like, well, we can't get geese from Pakistan. Okay. But, like, but Indians can't because oh. like 90% of the ghee production is in Pakistan. Yep. Shory Roll Kings, whatever you want to call it. Every single brand comes from, in, uh, from Pakistan. And I was like, we can't get geese from there. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot you guys don't get along. Is it the same problem with you guys? Uh, from Pakistan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, similar. Because... Nepal uses, all the ports that Nepal uses is yeah. the Indian ports. So right. It's a landlocked country, right? Yeah. So all the ports, because even to get stuff from China, mm -hmm. it's really difficult because right. China is the other part of the Himalayas. So there's no road or trains that come from China. Yeah. So I feel like if there was no fucking, excuse my language, but if there's, if there's no freaking uh, Himalayas, yeah. bro, China would like, we would be another Tibet. Yeah. It's just the Himalayas saved us from the Chinese invasion, <laughs> bro. Like, <laughs> I'll be speaking in fucking Cantonese right yeah. now. Yeah, shit. Whereas, so it's very political, man. You need to understand we come from a very politically sandwiched country between India and China, right? So we have, we get big brothered by both sides, culturally affected by both sides. Indian, India from the south, China from the north. And they have their own politics going, their own secret service stuff going in Kathmandu. Yeah. Bro, there's like political assassinations in Kathmandu of the Chinese spy. Some Indian raw agent is killing Chinese. It's crazy land, Kathmandu, man. Yeah. All money laundering. You, you name it, man. Yeah. So the key players, China, Pakistan, India, they fight their battle in Nepal. I'm not starting a conspiracy. This is all documented yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And we are just in the middle. So, like, trying to outsource this and that becomes extremely difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of saw something similar when I was uh, checking out the MMA scene in Myanmar as well. I was stuck there for three years, right? Very challenging. Bro, like, I followed your journey all the way through when you were in Myanmar and stuff. And um, I was kind of trying to model my own journey after yours, like what you were trying to do in Myanmar with that gym there, BGJ Myanmar. Bro, I'm not even kidding, man. I used to watch your stuff diligently, right? And I'm like, shit, okay, even if I 
do like 10% of what you're trying to do. Like, so yeah, man, thank you so much. Yeah, it was challenging, bro. But it, it kind of, it's kind of sad to hear what's happening in uh, Myanmar and stuff right now with all the political stuff going on. I mean, one of the guys got bombed. Now he's in prison. Is like, basically, there's that big guy Ongla from, uh, but he was he he moved he to no, he 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 moved to Florida, and then there's another fighter called Pothal. Yeah, I've, he was there in the yeah. fight world. That yeah, he was. That. So he was fighting. And then as soon as, as, like, I remember February 1st, the coup happens, all the, like, all the internet dies. I get a phone call from one of these kids that are, like, military tied. Uh -huh. It didn't really matter at the time because it was democracy. He calls me up and says, don't go outside today. I'm like... And you were in Thailand that time? No, I was in Myanmar oh. during lockdown, yeah. So then the coup happened, and we can't do anything. So I go down to that, that Potal guy's, he, he opens a gym in, like, a national park. So I'm there every morning, like, he says, okay, you come down, train for free, do a couple of jujitsu rounds if you want. Um, one of his other fighters, Sai, was in. Um, he was in like the One Warrior series, the amateur like kind of like feeder. And he was he, even like Pota was in yeah. one, right? Yeah, I he was. Yeah, one, yeah, he had that big skull tattoo, yeah, yeah, big yeah. tall guy. Both of his brothers were like um, national soccer players as well. Yeah. They're all arrested. Um, Pota himself got bom it's, bombed. It's still they're in still in prison, yeah, or they're still they're still under military control. And then his his other like little brother fighter, not little brother, but like like the mm -hmm. the other fighter Sai that I was really good friends with. He's now in the jungle and he's a freedom fighter. So it's like, you know, he traded he traded MMA gloves with Sounds like, you know, an assault assault rifle basically. Oh my god, dude. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. Can't even empathize what they're going through, bro. Different level, bro. Even the recent one, Letway fighter yeah. died too, right? Yeah. Pato or someone. Yeah, another guy he got executed, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. There's thousands of political prisoners still in prison over there right now. Yeah. But it's it's getting kinda of crazy, like um, like for example, the license plates have changed, so they're easier to track. Um, they just came out, so they used to, so so the national currency is chat. Chat. So, so so there's no coins. It starts from fifty all the way to ten thousand, but then they just started releasing the twenty thousand chat note. So everyone's panicking. All the people are trying to take cash out because they don't know how valuable these like the chat. The chat like the dollar ratio fluctuates like crazy. It used to be roughly around one thousand five hundred chat for a dollar. Now it's gone up to like 3,000, so the chat's basically useless, you know? So inflation's crazy as well. Yeah, it's crazy. But the, the problem with Myanmar is, right, each region has their own tribes. But it used to be a British colony, so now you have all these different tribes. And then you have the military that owns a central area, but then all the outside tribes are like, okay, no. Well, and it's, it sounds like the military's losing control. It sounds like it, but I can't say for sure. I've got a friend that used to live there, a British journalist. He's going in and out, checking out, doing articles and like all the warriors fighting against the military and stuff like that. But you had a friend I met from who was living in Myanmar too. What's yeah. the name? Singaporean guy. Singaporean guy. Uh, he used to work with like the Letwe. Gerald. Gerald, right? Gerald, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's not there anymore. In no, well, f political situation got bad. There's lockdowns, obviously. And obviously, you can't, there's no Leth Lethwe, so he can't really manage it. So he, he, mo he moved back. I think he moved back to Singapore for a while. He got married, um, and I think he's doing something in Singapore now. But he used to work for one as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had the chance to meet him in Vietnam, and we were talking, got talking. That's how I got introduced to him. Wasn't that the competition that we all went? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember that competition. <laughs> oh, uh, dude, that was like crazy, bro. It was awesome, man. So, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen with the uh, with the next fight card? Do you think you're going to try and organize it in? November, you're gonna try and get a whole bunch of international people in. Um, you're gonna try like a striking match as well in the cage. 
Yeah, striking match with, with MMA rule set. Yeah. I want to have like a, hard to say, but I want to have like a striking exhibition in the MMA rule set. For, but like this guy, we are trying to, you know, trying to get him into a world one, like the path should be yeah. towards the one. It's That's always been our goal from day one. Get to one, get to one, like, like just get to one. Yeah. Wake us up in the middle of the night, get to one, like. So we're here trying to get to know people yeah. and stuff. And I am committed in two different directions as his coach and manager. That's a separate one. But as a whole coach of a gym and a promoter, that's a whole different separate one. Sometimes I have conflict of interest too. I need to manage that yeah. first things first. Um, I cannot do everything. Like I need to build a team where I can have people to delegate certain responsibilities. But I understand that it comes with time. I need to micromanage everything for the next couple of years. Then yep. when everyone's up to a certain speed, like, okay, then I can delegate stuff. Yep. But uh, yeah, right now, yeah, uh, hopefully I, we can uh, announce uh, by the end of August, our next event. Technically, uh, it'll be tentatively, it'll be early November. Right, and have to book flights. Yeah, early November, the sweetest, sweetest uh, month for the best climate in Nepal, bro. Yeah. It's November, bro. That's where all the birds come out, you know what I'm saying, bro? <laughs> like like real birds, bro. Yeah. Like Nepal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and yeah, looking to get seven fights. That's the golden number. Seven fights, five amateur fights, two professional fights. That's the skeletal system. Like we're trying to go for the next three years, yeah. two events per year minimum, two events per year. Not being too ambitious, too. Mm -hmm. Two events per year. One in the summertime, one in the autumn time, and yeah, three-year plan at a time. Yeah. And while this guy is like on the side, mm -hmm. he I feel he should already be competing in the Asian level, bro. Yeah. Like there's no need for him to be competing in Nepal or in India anymore. So I need to make sure he's getting the right direction while we as an amateur promotion team and an amateur uh, coach, we are going simultaneously hand in hand. So there are two different directions and obviously the direction is to get to one someday. All right. Um, usually closer to the end of the podcast, basically I do kind of like a rapid fire quiz, right? I did it, I did it for the first time um, last week with uh, the Carpe Diem Bangkok guy. Um, it was pretty funny because the questions are pretty, some of it can, you can get like controversial answers, right? So I'll do Oh, we are already at the end of the podcast. No, 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 oh. not yet. No, but I wanted to, I wanted, oh. since I'm, since I'm going to do both of you, I just want to ask you both, right? So I'll start with the questions and I want to see what your answers are. It, it starts super simple and then it'll kind of like go down to some more, uh, yes, sir. Yeah. All right. So, um, if you want to do a question, answer, answer, or do you want to do all the questions yourself first and then he can do it? You want to just do answer, answer each? Yeah. Yeah, let's do question it. Answer, really. <laughs> one question, one answer. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay fair enough. Uh, texting or talking? Voice messaging. Voice messaging. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <right>. Good answer. <laughs> what about you? Texting, texting okay. All right. Uh, t texting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, tea or coffee? Coffee, bro. Neither. No? And he doesn't do caffeine, bro. Oh, really? Yeah. I kind of thought that. I don't know why I kind of thought that's yeah. probably, yeah. All right. Uh, gi or no gi? Uh, 
Gi, man. I love the Gi. No gi. Of course, no Gi. <laughs> All right. New wave or B team? I, I like the banter in like B team. Yeah. Uh, like, like the, like, I feel like new like new wave is like they're awesome, you know, they're awesome, but they're too serious, bro. They're like they like, reminds me of my granddad, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So in terms of instruction, Dan Hur Lachlan. Dan Hur, bro. Dan Hur, yeah. Even though I sometimes listen to him to go to sleep at night. <laughs> like seriously, bro. Like that's some ASMR stuff right that's there. <laughs> Dude, I'll just play some dinner stuff, and next ten minutes, I'm like snoring. That's real. <laughs> it That's awesome. Honest, like voice, like that. That's amazing answer. Good. Okay. So nickname your parents used to call you. If it's no, it's no. It's no. Yeah. Your parents le talakin namle volunteer. Rage. 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 Sanu. Sanu. What what does that mean? Little one. Day. Little one. All right. Even though I'm the like eldest in the family, yeah. You're just, just a little one. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So competition walkout or hype up song? Hype up song. Yeah. Like 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 for example, if I was gonna if I was listening to music or if I was gonna walk out to a song, let's say I was doing like a no geese super fight or a uh -huh, geese super uh -huh. fight, what's the song that you would choose to play? Bro, we dude, I'm not even kidding, man. You guys need to check this out. We just dropped this one music video, bro. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, bro, yeah. It's, it's been awesome. Like killing it in Nepal, man. Yeah. So yeah, probably that song, man. That song. If you could have the chance, you know, you can play that stuff. We'll, we'll have to link it in the caption. Yeah. It's we'll, called Ladaku. L-A-D-A-K-U. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it means fighter in Nepalese. In that's Nepali. awesome. So that's that's your hype song. Yeah, we teamed up with this like proper gangster rapper, bro. He comes from the uh, hood of Nepal. Yeah. And other old rappers are fake stuff, bro. This guy, man, his name is Professor Tricks. Bro, this guy, man, he, he came in one day. He's like, I got a song for you guys. So we turned it into an anthem for NWC. Mm. And his music video and everything. Uh, yeah, man, that, that song's catching up a lot back home. So it's about like 150,000 views, yeah, I think. It's only been out for a few so, years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's awesome. Like, okay, okay, let's do this. So Ladaku, bro, all the way. Yeah. Okay. Um... Day class or night class? Mm. Day class, bro. Day class. Din ma class ki rati class. Morning, evening. Morning, evening. Yeah. Me too, actually. But yeah. if I'm in Bangkok, I love the night class, bro. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like in Nepal, since everything shuts kind of early, relatively early, let's just finish it up. All right, right. fair enough. Place you want to train the most? It could be jujitsu, it could be MMA, anything, anywhere in the world. I want to train the most. Uh, I don't know why, man. I've always had this uh, weird thing about Japan, man. Yeah? Yeah. People think they're always in Nepal. Everybody wants to go to America or the Western side of the world. Like, you know, our Nepalese country is such, like, all the youth, everybody, there's what this thing happening called brain drain, right? All the good ones, like, who can help the country move forward are all going outside and yeah. becoming assets to other countries. That's a big thing in Nepal, bro. You need to understand where we come from. Most people, they, <clears throat> like, once you hit college level, like, you do your college, there are not much opportunities in Nepal, like, work and stuff. And uh, everybody wants to earn in dollars and euros. So, and we as Nepalese people, we're kind of, we're like the Mexicans of Asia types, you know. We'll go build your stadium. Yeah. We'll go to Qatar, you know, we'll build your stadium, son. Like, we'll die in the process, mm -hmm. but we'll go. 
Yeah. You know, you know the whole stadium thing that was happening, right? Most of, 50% of them were from Nepal, bro. Oh, right. Okay. The, in Qatar, the, yeah. all the political stuff, like, wow. like workers dying and stuff mm-hmm. under inhumane, like, stuff. So that's just a small uh, image of what really goes down. Like, even this guy, he was, he was about to go to one of those stadium building projects. Seriously? Yeah. So that's where we met. I all was right. like, what stadium, bro? You got to yeah. do MMA, like... Yeah. Forget the stadium. Yeah. So, he was down down to go. He had yeah. he lost all hope, man, yeah. as a fighter. He's like, this fighting life is not for me. I'll go to what I'm doing best. Yeah. Like, go to that God for second, for second, like, conditions. That's where he came to the gym half-heartedly. And that's yeah. where we met. And that's where... We convinced each other that this is the path we gotta take, you know, and run with it with all our soul, all our mind and heart. So yeah. So for me, Japan, man, I don't know why, bro. I love Japan, yeah. the Japanese culture. I love the Japanese food and everything, man. Even though I can't speak much uh, at all. I mean, yeah. uh, always with the Eastern East, bro. That's yeah. it. that's. I don't know where in Japan, but yeah, in Japan somewhere. That's awesome. How about him? How about That'd be awesome, yeah. So yeah, we were planning on meeting our, like, Sergey. he uh, hooked us up with this uh, Russian uh, coach uh, in Pattaya too. Yeah. So we will probably, his wish will come true, training yeah. some Russians. So you guys will check out Fairtex then. Yeah, Go Fair check Dex out the Russian then, yeah. wrestler as well. That'd be good, yeah. All right. Favorite food? Favorite food? Your favorite food, kill. Nepali food, dalvat. <laughs> Please, bro. Yeah. Uh, this guy was kind of throwing shade on Thai food earlier, bro. He's like, <laughs> why is everything sweet? And just, <laughs> I was like, dude, leave better watch your tone, man. Yeah, yeah. They do put sugar on a lot of shit, though, here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah, they It's do. like, bro, like, what's this? Everything's sweet up here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. Uh, for me, I like sushi, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. me too. Me yeah. too. Sushi. Right. Okay. I like Indian food too, butter mm-hmm. chicken, roti. Yeah, these two basic stuff. Uh, so favorite jiu-jitsu brand? Brand like as in apparel? Yeah, apparel. Yeah, it could be any. It could be a gi brand. It could be like maybe like an MMA brand that you really love. I mean, like besides BJJ Asia. Uh, dude, I like this. Uh, my brother, he got me uh, from actually my friend, not my brother, like a friend of mine, sent me down some uh, stuff of half sumo. I don't. Uh, that's. A- I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to um, hook you up with Jason today. Uh, have well, you spoken to Jason yet? The American. So he was at the gym, right? He was at he the was gym. At the, he American was, guy. Yeah. He was, uh, at he, the podcast too. Yep, we did a podcast uh, together. Check. What's his? Jason Holacek. Yeah. He's uh, he's gonna be the official supplier for half sumo in Thailand. Oh, right, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna I have to him too, bro. Yeah. Like, he okay. was good, man. Yeah. He actually asked me desperately to hook you guys up. So yeah, I introduced yeah. myself, yeah. but I don't know if you remember. Like, yeah. he, he I wants, love half yeah, sumo. Yeah. I love like whatever their style. I, I really miss. Pretty like, funky stuff. Yeah. Well, he like 
He's gonna bring the stuff here. So. All right, Jason. Thank, please, bro. Like, hook <laughs> us up, bro. Like, yeah, about Robin, what's his favorite jujitsu brand? brand or yes. Do you know MMA jujitsu? Go to. Who's brand you want to buy? Hernet has it. He says he, he doesn't care. And I just don't know any brand. Like, <laughs> <laughs> give me anything, dude. Like, yeah. All right. Okay. Favorite submission. Ah, favorite. Tera favorite submission. Who's it? Arenchi. Arenchi. Uh, me, bro. Uh, oh man, there's uh, lately I've been uh, trying to work a lot on like Kimura stuff. Kimura stuff. Yeah. Anything from all position and even Kimura counters and stuff like. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Like Kimura, I would say lately. Yeah, lately. Uh, yeah. Lately is Kimura. Okay, no problem. So, obviously, Rabinder, he's not ranked in jiu-jitsu belt belts or anything like that, no, right? No. Right. Okay. So, I added this extra question, and I wanted to ask. Um, I actually wanted to ask Rafael this last weekend when, uh, well, the idea came when I was interviewing him. What is it? It's kind of a loaded question, I suppose. But what is a what does a black belt mean to you? Um. Like in jujitsu, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like in terms of, as a purple belt right now, what do you think a black belt means to you? If if you get one, or if you see someone with a black that's belt, that's my life goal. To yeah. be honest, to be Nepal, bro. Okay, I won't be Nepal's first jujitsu black belt. To you don't be. think like, so? No, there is one already. Oh, is there? Bro, I'm dude. This journey has like introduced me to so many crazy people in life, bro. So this guy, let me just quickly give a shout out yeah. to this guy, all right? His name is Narian Pariyar. He's a Nepalese guy, right? I don't, I know his story. He just one day he hit me up. I don't know. He saw our stuff online somehow. I get a phone call from this guy, random guy. I just answer it. Even before going down his history, I like he introduces himself like, bro. He lives in Dubai. Mm-hmm. He's a black belt Nepalese guy. Yeah, he works. He stays there in a working visa. Mm. He's one of the head coaches of like Team Nogera gym there. Oh shit! Black belt legit, yeah. bro. Like the first photo I saw of him was with Hamzat Chimaev yeah. training, bro. I'm like, where were you, bro? Yeah. Like I, when I needed a role model, like where were you? Like you know, I'm just jokingly said that, and <laughs> and he is Nepal's first black belt, and we are in constant contact. Like he now. He knows Rabindra too, his story too, and he's. We're very in contact these days. So hopefully, he said like one day we'll he'll get us down there to Dubai to to train at his gym. Yeah, bro. He showed me his facility, Nogera Team Nogera Dubai. Bro, it's like crazy. It didn't stop. He kept on walking, bro. Like yeah, there was like a jujitsu section, boxing, MMA, CrossFit, weightlifting. Recovery, like yeah, it kept on going. Like it was like a airport hangar, you know. I was like, that's like next level uh, state of the art facilities they got down there. Yeah. So yeah, black belt. Uh, going back to your question, that's my. That's always been my first goal. I know I need to put in a lot of time in the gi to reach that place, and right now that's been uh, and and hold right now. Like my gi progression has is very slow right now. And but yeah, when I see a black belt, first thing that comes to my head is like this person has dedicated a lot of time and soul and tears and sweat into this craft. Just the color of the belt signifies that, right? So nothing but respect and um, just motivation, bro. Even when I'm rolling with a black belt, even if I 
survive for one round, dude, that's a win in my head. I'm like, bro, you know, so even if he's breathing hard, yeah. I'm like, okay, I got you to breathe hard. <laughs> so slowly, one step at a time, yeah. one day I'll get there. And till then, I'll just keep my head in the sand and keep training, trying to stay injury free, trying to keep roll every day, every day, no days off. And one day, knock on wood, I'll get there and probably I'll have a better answer there when I do reach that spot. All right. So in terms of future plans right now, the immediate plan is to get Rabindra into one, get the lay of the land, see what level he's at right now on an, on an Asian level, and then maybe go international from there. Apart from that, the other plans are, well, growing lock and roll, obviously, and growing the MMA scene in Nepal and the jiu-jitsu scene as well. Anything else? Just look good, sound good while doing it. You know, bro, like, there has to be some style yeah. points, I feel. 100%. Bro, like, or else why should people give a, like, care about, like, um, do, like, um, I don't, like, I don't know how to put this without sounding too, like, out of the way, you know. Um, yeah, MMA, this and that, but I really emphasize on, um, I always try and coach this guy a little bit media training too, mm -hmm. like, you know. Need that a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Like, uh, he's done a fantastic job when he's needed to do. It's just like he has some English language barrier. But if he's asked to speak in Nepali or in Hindi or any these local languages, um, he like I was shocked when he was like brought on to a bunch of Nepali local podcasts like yourselves trying to advertise him. And he did a fantastic job. So, but at the same time, I always tell him, we got to look good, you know, sound good while doing it too. Not just, or else, why should they care about us? And yeah, trying to build like uh, merch stuff too, like t-shirts. Yeah. And I really love those stuff, like how BJJ Asia does. Like now slowly our next stuff is trying to get a rash guards and um, shorts and stuff. And spend my time just with, MMA for the next uh, 10 years, I feel. Just give my heart and soul. And wherever the path leads us, we just want to be ready, ready to, for the opportunity whenever it strikes. So what, in terms of future plans for Rabindra, what's his future plans? Your future plan, my kids are in your mind, but I'm translate it. Future plan, I'm going to fight for one more. Who's that, One more top level, I'm going to get um yeah he just says uh just one plan just trying to get to one just get to one and then from there go yep. from there yeah um thanks uh, with andrew and your support like everybody we feel i feel confident going into meeting people from one training with people because i know for a fact like we have some sort of a support system here it's not like we have come blind sick forsaken types and even if we don't land where we want to, we just keep training, you know, no, 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 no worries. We'll be back like again, more prepared. Yep. You know, he's just 23. Like we have a 10 year plan. Yeah. So it's all right. Like, yeah. I've told him like, we have a 10 year plan. <clears throat> it's a marathon. Yeah. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. Just be, you know, don't just be ready. Just basically. be ready, you know, no. And this guy, bro, he doesn't even drink caffeine, let alone all the party stuff, all these distractions, nothing, bro, nothing. I gotta tell him sometimes to like calm down a little bit. Like, you know, like don't overtrain this yeah. and that. Like me as a coach, I'm more worried about him overtraining, getting injured, 
you know, stupid injuries, which no need to have those injuries. Like he's a professional. Sometimes I need to like twist his ear a little bit and tell him like, yo, you got to train like a professional, like recover like a professional. Yeah. Even though he's training with a bunch of amateurs, you got to put in extra work. Like you cannot be with these guys. These guys are trying to come up to your level. Like he's a role model for guys back down, back home, bro. Like uh, people look up to him. He's a man of very little words, like little words. He doesn't speak much, but he lets his action do a lot of speaking. Well, I'm like his hype man types. Yeah. Like, like, dude, I'm like Undertaker and that Paul Bearer type. <laughs> like, yeah. I come in with the urn, you know, yeah. thing. Like, and yeah, that's about it. So, um, last question: Who would you like to thank? Thank. Yeah. <sighs> Gonna take a second to think properly. Yeah. Who, journey ma? Who do you like to thank? One of the say thank you. One, so I keep one of my Okay, I'll go. Mm. Oh, he's thanking me, dude. Like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> Good. Uh, Hey, just me, dude. Nobody else. Holy <laughs> shit, dude. That's yeah, <laughs> he says he thanks me, dude. I'll, I'll take it. But um, for me, bro, like, um, yeah, when he says me, I'm like, it's the same thing when I thank people. Yeah. I'll probably speak for both of us. I have a long list, actually. I must go through it. Uh, First things first, I gotta thank that dude who showed me jujitsu first, man. Rama, I always, I mean, he lives in Germany right now. He's doing his jujitsu, so we are not in touch anymore. I, I'm, I'm not even sure if he's watched this. If he was not there, if he didn't come to the hospital when I'd broken my arm and told me like, carefree, you just come and learn, I wouldn't probably be here. It's like a domino effect started from there. Lives. So yeah, Rama, right there. And then, uh, well, like, I don't know. Some people say I thank my family. This and yeah. that, dude. I don't think I would thank my family <laughs> because uh, beside my uncle, yeah, beside my uncle, he was the main reason I came to Thailand. But all the while, my rest of my family, they were not buying into it. This, mm-hmm. like, what is this guy doing? Like, <laughs> like rolling around with people, dude. Like, was what was this happening? I was like. I like I didn't even waste energy trying to explain them, you know. They wanted me to get a like a f- nine to five job, you know. And I was like, I'll go crazy, dude. Like I'll probably kill myself. I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to make a joke about this, but it was serious back yeah. then. I'm like, this is not me, please. And a basic Asian household, like you know. Uh, but then my uncle said, like, hey, yo, bro, you got like one life. My mom's younger brother, mm-hmm. his name is Sonam Lama. Uh, told me you got a one life you gotta move out of here man or else you get sucked into this uh, whole rat race in nepal and i was like yeah then he said you should just go to thailand bro like i said like my finances are not even straight right he said don't worry buddy i got you while while you can i while i can i got you then then that's what because of him and solely him i moved to thailand then that again that domino effect came into arade and everybody i wouldn't be here or I wouldn't be doing what I do if it wasn't for the entire RID team. I don't want to take anybody's name specific, anybody who is attached to the name RID, even starting from Kari-san, you know, mm-hmm. like right from the lady who's at the desk, Yeah. right? Everybody, man, 
I felt like I fit right into a team and I felt like home, bro. Like I didn't have to think about trying to break any walls or barriers. I was like, right, there was a gate open for me as the day one I came in, you know. And even Mitsu, right, to get my gi fundamentals straight every day. I was in the gym for like two years, twice a day, every day. And uh, that was a hell of a journey for me because the same thing I go and I copy paste the same uh, same attitude back home in our gym, strictly f- focus on fundamentals, right? Let's, let's get our fundamentals sharp of grappling at least. That's more catered towards MMA right now, like more of the technical stand up, how to get up, like using the wall, how to get up, pushing their head down, you know, like all the just get up styles yeah. and all that stuff. And yeah, scrimmage wrestling, all those things, butterfly hooks, just basics, basic stuff. And thankfully, recently we have like a whole bunch of uh, traveling uh, jujitsu enthusiasts to come in. A bunch of Finnish black belts have come in, like European guys. Yeah. They just come in the gym and I let them, like when they're like higher belt than me, let's say brown belt, and they are more than happy to run the class for as long as they are there. And I learn from them. And when they leave, we work on the same stuff. And when I went back to like, like the last year, right? Last uh, August, when I was here, you were taking the classes, right? You, you, you showed us that snap down to that, uh, that Anaconda setup. Yeah. With that, ga- what do you call that gable? No, no. That Schultz grip. Schultz grip, yeah, yeah. Schultz yeah. grip, yeah. <laughs> dude, look, everybody does that in the gym, dude. Like, you come to the gym, bro, everyone's throwing that Schultz yeah. grip. Shit. I think I did that in front. I think I choked out Zaya when I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yo, dude, Zaya was like upside yeah. down, dude. I think Cowrie filmed that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, that was like. Shout dude. out to Zaya. <laughs> that was good. I was right there. I was like, oh, this yeah. works. Don't resist that choke. So, yeah, just basic stuff when I learn. And I watch a lot of videos and uh, tutorials and stuff while I can. And yeah, bro, that's, yeah. that's the... Endlessly being a student, man. Yeah, I love, I love studying and making notes, mental notes. Basically, yeah, I love coaching, bro. Like, that's what gets me up these days in the morning. Like, I understand it's not about me anymore. If these fighters are giving 100%, I got to give 1,000% and level up so that I've done my diligence when I step on the mat. And when I do, I'm doing something wrong, I'm like humble enough to say, hey, I messed up, let's do this way. And yeah, you're right, like, you know? Yeah, those basic stuff, bro, like. That's a good point, let's close it. Thanks very much, guys, thank you. uh, Thank you. I have a few questions for you if it's okay. A few questions for me. Shit, oh God. It's never happened. Is that okay? <laughs> is that all right? Yeah, sure, sure. Go for it, man. Uh, are we still on? Or? Yeah, yeah, we're still on, right? Yeah. Uh, what's your goal, man, as a coach, bro? Like going forward, I always because I look at you as a mentor, man. No, like uh, I, I don't think I've ever told you that upfront, but might as well right now. Like I follow your stories and whatever you teach, like your style. I really, yeah. like I really like your style as a coach. What's your deal, man? Where are you headed as Where a coach? Where am I headed? Yourself? Well, man, Andrew had to go take care of some stuff. So, sorry, Andrew had to go oh, take. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our head coach is Andrew, Andrew McDonald. He's the head coach of Rete. I yeah. love Andrew. Dude. What I learned from Andrew is, man, like you've got to love this shit. Number one, number two, like it's not about you; it's about the other people, right? So you put people first whenever you're training. It's the same when you're coaching as well. People first. 
if you find good students, you give everything you can to them. It was the same when I was teaching CrossFit in, in Myanmar as well. I found a couple of kids. They used to be taxi drivers. Mm -hmm. uh, they used to come from nothing. And if they're receptive, give them everything you can. Put them first. And, uh, yeah, and then the results will follow, basically. Sometimes you put the time in different to the people you shouldn't, but at the same time, as long as you give your 100% to someone, I think you can't go wrong, basically. Yeah, bro, Andrew is the man, man. Like, uh, when everyone asks him, who's your coach, I say Andrew. Yeah. Like, Andrew is... Who's helped me drastically go from basic level to a little yeah. more intermediate level. Like I think over top man, I used to come and drill with Andrew and you know, Rodrigo, right? Yeah. I used to get like one-on-one -on -one time with them. Like, you know, like yeah. PT types. Mm -hmm. I used to come in the afternoon class with Andrew and Rodrigo, just get be there, like just go through the motion every day, almost every day. So yeah, big uh, help to Andrew, like help stuff. And uh, what about like your, um, Congress on the podcast and BGJ Asia podcast. Like I watch clips and stuff, interesting stuff. And the studio is like crazy good. Man, bro. Like, that's model man. Taka's got model, a vision. Right? Yeah, what, model. Is, what does model mean? Taka? Oh. He doesn't know. <laughs> I thought it was some Greek word. Yeah, me too. I thought so too. Yeah. Oh, an English word. The water types. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Nice man. And I feel like, uh, what's the direction of BGJ Asia, man? I feel like. Um, Helped a lot of Asian jujitsu community come together. For for me, um, I just wanted to share information, try and bring the community closer together. Whether that's anywhere in Southeast Asia, it can be China as well, it could be Japan as well. I've met some interesting people through this. I've done a few cool articles through this as well. If I find something interesting, I want to write about it. If I meet someone interesting, I want to talk to them. So basically, for me, it was. I felt like with uh, BGJ Asia, well, I wasn't doing enough and I wanted to do different, something different. And for me, it was like, I want to sit down and have a conversation. Um, when Jack came with his wife to, to, um, to Thailand, he was looking for like, maybe like a little bit of a teaching gig or a coaching gig at Arete. Of course, my mother's Scottish and I, like, she lived in Glasgow and I met him. And uh, we did like a 20 minute interview I together. I kind of loved it. Mm -hmm. I like having conversations with people, getting to know people. So it kind of just progressed from there. I've seen that yeah. episode. Of... Yeah. It... <coughs> he, he, he backside 50 50. <laughs> <laughs> Jack. You hear that, Jack? <laughs> no, because that's funny because yeah. one Scottish, uh, yeah, one Scottish guy, he came, Ryan. Uh, he came into a 20, young guy, the 21, right? Uh, he came into our gym and he was Scottish. And somehow like we started checking our Instagram and he knew Jack yeah. and through like, they were training partners back at wherever yeah. they're from. I think Edinburgh or somewhere. Yeah. Like that. It's at uh, Glasgow. Yeah, Glasgow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's how I like, started looking to Jack Brown yeah. and stuff too. Then I told him like about you too. Yeah. So whenever my friend come visits, he definitely coming to already. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jack was a star. I just wanted to give him a shout out because he did a lot for Arete, you know, like um, he, because like you remember what Arete used to be like, it was one Nogi class a week, right? Yeah. yeah. Now we got four Nogi classes a week and we're, we're about to Go expand more. it even more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love no gi. I love teaching no gi as well. I love teaching the basics and the fundamentals of gi to like to to like white belts and make them falling out in love with jujitsu. But if you ask me if I wanted to watch like a warm guard instructional or watch something that Dan Her is teaching, Dan Her all day. It's just interesting. It's innovative as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
And uh, as a coach, how do you balance Nogi and Gi? Does it not uh, hamper one? Yeah, it does. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it really depends on what your goals are and what your own personal goal, goals are in terms of growth as well. I mean, if you're a coach, you got to be constantly, constantly learning and growing as well, right? So I think, okay, how can I be more effective as a coach? Um, where do I want to excel at? Or where do I want to try and excel at? And how do I want to put that information out? Now, for me, my goal was growing the Nogi program at Rete, one of the goals. I feel like we're doing that now where like certain open mats is just everyone just doing Nogi the whole time now, which is great. Um, but if I want to excel at one area, I feel like I can't do 50-50. 50-50. It's just going to have to be, it's, it's going to have to be like 80-20. I'm going to have to put more energy into one area. And for me right now, it's no gi. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Arate right, is also adapting with the... Yeah, with the times, man. Like, I mean, that's where the money's going as well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jason's like a coll- collegiate level re- wrestler as well. After Jack left... um. I needed to like kind of concentrate the night classes. So that means like the the main event gi and the no gi classes. So I said to Jason, look, do you mind if you take over the no gi afternoon classes? And he's got collegiate level wrestling and his grandfather used to be a coach as well. So it's like, it's perfect, right? And on top of that, he's really passionate and he's got that dog in him as well. Yeah. So yeah. And he's got half sumo as well. Yep. Yeah. Yo, Jason, please, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, uh, what's your favorite submission? My favorite. Gi and Nogi. Gi and Nogi, shit, man. Good question. For the Gi, I really like doing nasty shit to people. So I think a Kanto choke. So like you could grab the, grab the collar and then you throw the leg over yeah, the head. Yeah, yeah. It's nasty, yeah. Uh, for submission. I think you do that when you don't like somebody. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. Um, it, feel, it feels satisfying after you do that someone you hate. So, um, but I think there's nothing more satisfying than a rear naked choke, bro. Yeah, exactly. Nothing more satisfying than that. Or a guillotine. But RNC, I'd say. Because you get the back, you have total control. Mm. Slowly but surely, that's it. Good night, basically. <laughs> and uh, for Nogi, too, same. Yep, yeah, same for Nogi, yeah. Interesting. And uh, what do you think, like, for a MMA direction, mm-hmm. like Jiu-Jitsu for MMA as a coach, what do you think... It, you got to hustle up besides wrestling. Yeah, wrestling, obviously, right? I would say... From with a grappling standpoint. And from a grappling standpoint, I think the innovation, what you're seeing right now is a hybridization of folk-style wrestling with jiu-jitsu. Like, I, I don't know the level of the Senegalese guys, but you saw the Buchecha match, right? Bro, I saw it live, man. That was crazy. Bro. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. you saw him spin out blood, everything. Oh, that was crazy. Did, did you notice when Buchecha got him down, put him down and had top position, he couldn't maintain top position, like right? Like he just got up and yeah. he slipped over twice. I thought, yeah. okay, we're done now. Yeah. He's going home. But no, dude. But then when you see guys like Craig Jones and what B-team are doing, what New Wave are doing, they're, they're putting a lot more emphasis on how to... How to get to top position and how to maintain top position. And that's what all the Dagestani guys are amazing at doing against the cage or on the ground, right? That's, that's, that's where you have to get better at. Maintaining top position and learning how to like be better at wrestling, I think. Because I think sometimes our jujitsu attitude is like, ah, I'll just take bottom position. Well, yeah, but, but like when you listen to Danaher, for example, you have the biggest flaws in jujitsu. One was leg locks, take right? Down. Yeah, yeah t- t- well, one was takedowns, one was leg locks. And that was number three was your ability to impose top position. And then you just, I'm no, no criticism of Bocheja because he's like, he's one of the greatest of all time. But at the same time, when you see him in an MMA context, he's been so used to gi competition. When he got top position, like, and, and like, 
there's a gentleman's agreement when you do mm-hmm. when you're rolling slap and bump one person's on the ground one person's on top right what if i just stand up you know what i mean that gentleman agreement's gone so that means you've got now not only do you have to worry about a guy playing guard you have to worry about a guy playing top position or standing up as well so i think that's the biggest area that i've been putting a lot more emphasis on my own jiu-jitsu training is my ability to maintain that top position and i think that's what's going to be important in the future as well yeah right 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 and um but that bushasha i i loved it when for 10 seconds they were like standing and banging Did yeah you see that, that at the end boom boom <laughs> like screw grappling let's just oh, fist fight man, all the head trauma man all the head trauma <laughs> bro that fight was crazy yeah man. i was like right there i was like these two heavyweights because i'd never seen heavyweight mma before in my yeah. life i've seen mma life but heavyweights different beast saw herb dean there i'm yeah. like bro that's god right there <laughs> right Sir, I was shouting Herb, Herb, like Herb's not giving any two cents, bro. Like Herb doesn't care, bro. Yeah, bro. That um, there was uh, the previous night too. I went to watch the Friday night as well and the Saturday morning as well. There was a heavyweight MMA Friday night too. There was a Russian versus an American guy, dude. For three minutes, uh, for three rounds, the Russian guy was getting beaten up, bro. Like he was going for. Just leg locks after leg locks, and this American dude just pounding him from top. I was like, "Oh shit, bro!" Like, and his face already changed. The Russian guy's face all swollen up from just like hammer fist, hammer from top. He's still going for the heel look, but he got the inside heel look, and he can't finish for some reason. Mm-hmm. But last thirty seconds, he got the knee bar, dude. Yeah, the Russian guy. I was like, oh my god, you won't, you will get the leg lock, but at what cost? Yeah, like, exactly. At the time, your face was already gone. Like, like who won? <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, crazy, bro. It was a huge uh, experience for us to watch live stuff. Like, even see Mikey and stuff. Like, even the Rutolo brothers. Like, that was, I never thought I'd see them live. Yeah, once doing something special, man. But that's crazy, dude. Yeah. Heavy experience. I loved every second of it, man. I was kind of humbled to see it at that level of production. And we just hope and are inspired to someday, like, reach at that level domestically or regionally also and bring more athletes. We got to meet one of the main Nepalese fighters. Who is half Nepalese, actually. is these Suba brothers, bro. I don't know if you've heard of them. Gianni Suba and Kianu Suba. They're one athletes, both of them. Right. They're both in the one, but they fight, represent Malaysia though. So one is Achilles' like commentary fr- partner in Friday yeah. night. The uh, Achilles was commentary with the other guy. Right. That guy is like Nepalese too. His parents were in the British army. So they migrated to Brunei or Malaysia, some of these places. So we got to meet him too. So we had spoken over text and stuff. And cause he's our role model, you know what I'm saying? Like bro, he waves the Nepalese flag in the yeah. one cage. <laughs> He fought like everybody, bro. Everyone, all the top fighters he fought in one. But he's a really good speaker. Both brothers are, uh, Keanu and Gianni. Now they're slowly transitioning into like commentary and, you know, and stuff later part of the career. And it's super nice to see like a Nepalese guy, like being a commentator in one. That's like, that's like, whoa, we want to get there too someday. And we had the chance to meet him and... We were kind of shocked he knew who we was like he was like yo what are you guys doing here i'm like bro we came to see you man like he's saying like someday you guys will be here you know i was like no joking bro just to hear from somebody who's been there done that 
just say that it, it goes a long way for motivation, yeah. you know. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Then even the first day we came here, we were like, let's go see some yeah. fights done. Like, that's cool, man. Uh, last one, bro. Like B team or me? New wave. What camp? What cult you wanna? To be honest, man, like I'm, I'm balls deep in Danaher. Like in yeah. terms of instructionals, I mean, some people say he's verbose and he talks a little bit too much. For me personally, every little detail that he ever puts out is like a nugget of gold. Uh -huh. And every time I've gone through like one of his instructionals, I've gotten so much better in a position. Uh -huh. Like if you check out his four by four system in the mount, if I get into the mount, like I, I can keep the mount now. I used to, I used to fucking hate the mount position because I, I just didn't understand it whatsoever. But if your mount gets good, your close guard gets good as well. That's what you realize, because close guard is basically reverse mount, right? I see. And if you can get one arm over above the line of the sh of the shoulder, one elbow above the line of the shoulder, that's it. I'll I'll fucking smother you. That's why I enjoy it as well. And you get to torture the, the white belts as well. Bro, that smothers jokes, bro. Like it's just fun. Fun. Um, yeah, man. But Denner, he's the man, dude. He's the man, yeah. I mean, he's the man. first couple of hours of the instructional, yeah, it's a lot to get through, and there's a lot of information to take in, but at the same time, once you get into, like, the meat of the instructional, like, honestly, like, the, the knowledge is incredible. It's mind-blowing, you know? There was this one instruction, I somehow my friend gave it to me, it was like Gary Tonans. Like, he gets submission from every position. I don't know, I yeah. forgot the name of the... Yeah. I can send you the yeah. thing. He's showing, like, he's chaining some certain positions, where from every position he gets uh, entry into a submission, yeah. like dominant. That one was pretty helpful because even though I don't write it down, like it's in my memory, I seen it. Okay, go here, go there. Yeah. If he does that, take the calf slicer. If he doesn't, take the back. Like that one's good. I like Gary Tomlin's yeah. style, bro. Like yeah, it's very like yeah. Well, what I love about him is he can go from a defensive cycle to like a yeah. Like, he can go from a defensive cycle to an offensive cycle, and that's what Danaher presses as well, right? Once I've gotten out of a bad position, I should already be thinking about going into an offensive cycle, which I really like the mentality of. But but like uh, I saw the fight Gary Tonan's recent fight. Did you see that knee bar, bro? That he was fighting a crazy guy. He was getting like knee to his skull, dude. Like just from zero to hundred, get that knee bar. That was insane. Yeah. Guy's trying to keep stalk and then he just screams out in pain. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Good. It's like, ah. yeah. I was like, hey, leg locks work, son. <laughs> <laughs> don't say it, don't. But it's funny, like whenever someone talks like shit about leg locks, they always get end up. Yeah. It's like karma is, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, It's actually funny because da Danaher mentioned this in a podcast. He was talking about how, how like uh, Marcelo didn't believe in certain submissions. Kimura and stuff. Yeah, Kimura right. and stuff like that. Kimura, I think it was like yeah, the Darce choke, for example. Like uh, big, big man moves. Yeah, like big man moves. But then in every every time he's lost by submission, high level it's competition, it's the ones that he doesn't believe in. Like Katakatame by, uh, I think it was Braulio. And then the Kimura by, um, who was it, Jacare, for example. But yeah, like like you said, I think everything's applicable. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. yeah, that's how, uh, yeah, man. Do you, how much do you guys you watch MMA, bro? Yeah, or dude. Yeah. Just, uh, I'll, I'll, I like watching certain jujitsu competitions. Um, if it's IBJJF, if the if I see the video on YouTube and it's longer than ten minutes, I won't bother because I know it's going to go to like points or referees' decision. Um, I like watching instructionals, but at the same time, rolling is really important. I mean, even I'd say if you're going to assess yourself or assess your athletes, for example, you should be filming how they do. Mm -hmm. And you'll see the biggest holes and what areas they need to uh -huh. fix, right? And, uh, but yeah, I'd say 
MMA, if it's a really big event, like uh, the one with uh, Gagey recently, I wanted to go watch that. Here it's in the morning, so I go to a British pub, uh -huh. have my British fry up, and watch the matches. That's crazy. Good shit, man. And any last words for like for me as a coach who feel as a young coach who has no direction, <laughs> like really yeah. going. Any two words for me to hold on to and for the next one year until. Personally, I think you're going in the right direction and uh, you're in the right place at the right time to be a pioneer. As long as you always put your fighters first and uh, just look at what the larger goal is, I think it'll go in the right direction and we'll do whatever we can to support you. And I really appreciate you for having us here, man. This is like, we don't take it for granted, man. We just, we might look like we are, but deep down we really, we're humbled by your hospitality and the way you guys all go out of the way to help us out, man. Just with the right, Right support system, I feel this guy can go to places where I could not ever go. So he's got the mindset and yeah, it's all about him. I've noticed that. And thanks guys for having us, man. Problem. good luck thanks for the next month, man. T-shirt too, bro. Dude, like, these are my favorite. Like bro, seriously. Okay, bro, bro. <laughs> yeah, got another two. I've got one for a Japanese lady that really wants one, so I'll give it to her as well. Uh, lady, yeah. Please rock yeah. it. Lock and roll. Imagine right. I'm in Japan, I see that lady yeah. wearing that. I'll be like, hey, oh, lady. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks very much, thanks, guys. guys. Thank man. you. Until next time, man.